0: Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church Sermon Podcast. Each week we will upload the sermon that was preached during the Sunday morning service at our new Buffalo campus in hopes that it will serve you well during the week. So sit back, relax, and may you be encouraged by the great hope you have in Jesus Christ as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. Hey, uh thanks for being here uh we do that partly because the reason why we're gathered here is for one reason one person that's jesus right and he's made he's the center of it all everything in our life gets oriented around him one one thing that happens in the gathering of god's people we get under under the word of god as it's preached to us uh actually some things we hear that we don't always like uh there's some things in the proverbs today that i think are counterintuitive and we need it don't we so, it's just good to do that together. We learn in community. Um, uh, the church is not full of perfect people. I, I haven't said this for a while, but I used to say it. You know, when someone says, Hey, I don't go to church because there's hypocrites there, I do not argue with them because I'm probably the front of the line. I do say, Room for one more. <laughs> not, not as an excuse to do things wrong and inconsistent, but the truth is, none of us are as good as we'd like to be. We need the gospel. We need Jesus. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't true. And Jesus. He knows our weaknesses. Oh, I didn't refer to this, I don't think. Book recommend. Uh, if any, some of you guys, this would be a great summer read. Uh, gentle and Lowly. Anybody heard of it? Gentle and Lowly? That's a good thing for me to recommend. That You guys heard, I mean, it's just like, so this <clears throat> um, it opens up to us the heart of God and His love for us in ways. It's just a, a really strong. So we I've been reading some of it devotionally, and one of the concepts in there that He pulls out. It's actually from an old Puritan writer. This guy's writing. I think it's Dana Ortland, um, but he just kind of puts it in modern language. But how he helps us think through the love of Christ in ways that are deeper. So actually, it comes from 1600s writing, but one of the concepts in there is that our weakness our failings and our sins, Jesus is actually more drawn to us. That's counterintuitive, isn't it? That's not the re- way relationships normally work, is it? And he draws that out from the scriptures a, a number of different places. Hebrews is one, of but I just commend it to you. It's really good reading. Um, I think I said this beginning of the year that I feel like for me, for us, growing an understanding of God's love for us is a game changer so we sit you know the little kids song jesus loves me this i know but seriously a lot of us know the words but to actually live in that is different that's it's one of the things that's been helpful to me um so you could get that oh by the way so again in a sermon there's gonna be a lot of things here if you miss something write the office if you want notes it's not exactly what comes off here but it, it gets a lot of it but it's got all the text and, and that um is evie here someplace so you're back there? Are you helping, or are you just like making sure your brother's on task? Okay. So Evie asked me this great question last week. And, it, it, and I realized that I was studying, we're gonna do it again. So in the Proverbs, um, what happens is it's unpacking this, this wisdom principle. And so it gives it to us and it gives it, it teaches often in contrast, but the proverb is like this nugget, and then it gets mined out as far as what this means and the implications. And oftentimes the New Testament will take this thing and say something more about it. So she just asked, like, I, man, because she was observing that we're doing a proverb, and then we'd refer to something in the New Testament. She says, how, how do you do that? Like, do you just, like, read the Bible? So we talked about it. I said, actually, that's, that's the big answer to it, is the more you read script. But, but catch the insightfulness of a youth asking that. Scripture all hangs together. And the more you read it, the more you see that it hangs together. just do, And so we actually talked about how you can get there. I said, sometimes I'll be reading something, and I go like, man, that sounds like, but I can't think where it is. So we just looked at how to do a word search, you know, in a Bible program. And then we looked at footnotes and some things. But the question's insightful, isn't it? And we're going to do that again today. We're going to go through Proverbs. You're going to see New Testament things and, and so forth. So this one's kind of a... Interesting one. So it's, it's money. Uh, that's, a, you know, that's one of the topics you're supposed to stay away from in, in conversation with people. Um, Jesus doesn't. Whoa. Was I not on and now I'm on? Hey, all you guys are online. I hope you're good lip readers. That's all I could say. I didn't even know I wasn't on. Okay. Yeah, I'm not backing up. Anyway, so this is about money. So I'm going to tell you kind of the three categories ahead of time. They'll come up a little bit later. But um, broad categories to think about. And the first one is this: just recognize that all things come from God, including our wealth, including the ability to, to work. It all comes from God. So these, we're going to, I'm going to come through Proverbs and other places that show this. Well, then the, the next part comes, what's, what's the purpose of wealth? Why, why is it there? We'll talk about the value of work and some other things. And then we're going to end with a little bit of money and how we think about it, or money in the heart is the way Jesus, the language he uses. So we'll do that in a moment. That's kind of where we're going. Um, and I'm going to give you a summary statement in just a second. Um, anybody, favorite, favorite Christmas movie? Oh, look at that. Sing it again because that was the one you're supposed to say. It's a wonderful life. How many people hate It's a Wonderful Life? don't raise your hand, my wife will kill you, okay, all okay. right, that's like, we got to watch that one, my kids, we watch this every year, you know, it's a wonderful life, but there's, there's a couple scenes that go on, I forget how much money George is, is out, you know, his brother's the one, it's, by 50,000 bucks or something like that, I'll just use that figure, anybody remember the exact amount, I can't remember, but he's out this money, his brother's lost it, you know, he hasn't done anything wrong, you know, but, so you get this angel, Clarence that's talking to him, you know, and, you know, and George has tried to take his life, and the angel's talking to me, and he wants to know what George's problem is. He goes, you know, you don't got, uh, got 50,000 bucks, do you? You know, in clearance, he goes like, no, we don't, we don't use money in heaven. George then goes like, oh, yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting. Comes in pretty handy down here, bub. And that's the way we think about it sometimes. It's like this thing we got to deal with, but how are we supposed to deal with it? And proverbs and scriptures are going to talk about that in terms of what is real life, what is real living, and where is God in there. But it takes a lot of our attention. If you think about this last week, how much did you think about it? And then I go, did I think about it rightly or not? And so today, I think the Scriptures are going to really, really urge us that way to think about it rightly. So I, I did kind of a summary statement. A lot of times when Mike and Rob and I preach, we try to get a one big idea, and this is the way I summarized. A lot of these scriptures. So understand, this is more of a summary statement. It's this: realize that our Father graciously gives us all we need. Realize that. So the realized part is how do I? That, that's an impact on us, so that we may live freely for our own sake. It's to share His goodness with others realize that our father graciously gives us all that we need so that we may live freely to share his goodness with others let's pray father i know that every moment of every day we need your help there's sometimes we're more aware of it than others i think of what we i think of what we sang today i think of who's here i think of what we've experienced in the last months i think of our sister Jeanette. we're so glad she's here lord Think of Mike and Jessica and what has happened and you're joining them together, and we're so glad they're here. Lord, we need you. I pray today as we walk into this study that you would work on our hearts. You would work on our minds. Help us to know you. Help us to experience your love and to orient our lives that way. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. Seatbelts on? Uh, First thing, first point is realize that all things come from God, including money and abilities. So I'm going to break this down into kind of two subcategories. We're just talking about how wealth comes from God, uh, looking at both Proverbs 10.22 and Proverbs 28.25. So 10.22, you would prefer to have your Bibles open if you can, Okay. Proverbs 10.22 says this, The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Proverbs 28.25 says, The greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. So I'm going to go back and talk about 10.22 first of all. Partly what this is doing the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. It's talking about the Lord is the source of these things, okay? Versus that other verse it says, The greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust the Lord will prosper. So I'm going to walk through it a little slowly. But I want to first think about rich. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Now hang on a second. I, I remember what Jesus said. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6? Don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? I'm, I'm, uh, I, I won't blame it on you guys spending the night, but I just, that was a misquote. <laughs> um, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. You want to be laying for your, up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where what happens? What happens? It rots. There's moth. There's rust. There's thieves lot to deal with. That, that been a true statement in your life? I mean, everything you got, everything breaks down. You got a house, you always got to work on. You got money someplace, you got to protect it. You got to, like, lock your car. You got to lock your house. I mean, when you have stuff, it, that's just what goes on. So what do you, what do you mean the, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it? I mean, I, it sounds like that, that thing when he says it. He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven... Where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. And here's the key: for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's more about what you treasure. So when the scriptures use the heart, it's this, this place of what I think, my desires, all that. It's what I treasure. What is it that I'm treasuring? So another way: well, who's the rich? When the proverbs says that only makes a person rich. Who's that? We go compared to what? Who's rich? Uh, any of you ever been to the Smoky Mountains? Okay. Got 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 a few. You ever you ever been on those hikes? You see those little those little cabins they lived in? People like lived in those? And they got like one opening, looks like a cave. They don't I mean there's one opening they're living in. What, my house better than that? My trailer better than that? Where I'm better than that? I mean, when you think about rich, what, what's rich compared to what? Six to seven million people are, are living as refugees. Tent cities, whole generations. When I was in Tyre a couple of years ago, down in South Lebanon, there's a Palestinian camp. I'm, I'm there with Muhammad, who's a, who's a pastor. He, all these little Palestinians comes up. Their grandparents were there, their, their parents were born there. It's all they've ever known is tent cities. Friends, let me assure you, we're among the rich. Everyone, everyone in this room, doesn't matter how much is in your wallet, we are, we're very rich. So we, we tend to think of that when we compare ourselves to someone else. We think, oh, they got more. That's not what this is. Who's got another word? we're part of that. But this proverb is, is not about who's rich, is it? It's really about the source of wealth. And what do we see? Wealth comes from the Lord. All things come from the Lord, including the money we have, the ability to earn money, and He adds no sorrow with it. What's that mean? Well, on the one hand, um, money. We understand that. He's not saying here money's not what makes you happy. I mean, why are there so many people with money that are unhappy? I won't have you raise your hands, but I don't know how many people got a government stimulus check. Seems like everybody in the world got one of those. Make you happy? That's that's not what's making happy. Life is rooted in something else. So a lot of times, Mike, I'll use this phrase, we were made by God for God. if we understood that phrase well, we'd understand that we've got a Father that loves us, and life is not all up to us. It isn't. We're made for Him. Actually, some of the verses we read Um, There's a freedom in that. There's a worship in that. I'm going to go a little further in verse. It was for freedom that Christ has set you free Uh, in Galatians. You know what it says after that? So through love, serve one another. There's a thing about actually knowing who we belong to. There's a freedom in our life. There's actually an orientation to other people, which we'll come back to that in the gospel and why that is. So let me just ask you this. Uh, I, as Mike and I are preaching these, we drop down some 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 thoughts for ourselves. How does money affect your thoughts? How does it affect your desires? How does it affect your happiness? Or sometimes we say, "Your." How does it affect your heart? How much do you think about it? Money. I, I think it's good just to start there. So. 28:25. I don't know if you can pull it up again, uh, Aiden. It says the greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. I, I think this one helps us in some way. We don't think of ourselves being greedy, probably generally, but there's a contrast. And again, the proverbs are often teaching in a in a contrast. And it's not so much the thing said. Often, I think it's the thing that's underneath it. So, why would a person be greedy? Why would they? One of the underlying things is this. It's because they see life as all up to them. i got to get it. i got to grab it. They are the source of their security. But those who trust in the Lord will prosper. So is that a a guarantee on how to increase your your paycheck, your your bank account, your your net worth? No, I, I think this is calling us to where we trust. It's trusting in the Lord. So again... And we might have this one, I, I think there's a lot in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6 that goes into this. So the greedy thinks it's all up to them, so do the anxious. When I, when I, when I can't get this, I, I, it, it's up to me. So in Matthew 6, I think Jesus addresses this with anxiousness. I'm going to read 6, here we go, thank you. Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing, isn't it? Look at the birds of the air. So we talked about this a while ago. This is a parable to us, friends. So when you hear the birds singing, think this. This is what Jesus is saying. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? Why are you being anxious? Do you hear the birds singing? They know their creator is taken care of them. And he says, look at them. Aren't you more valuable than them? He?" What's he addressing? Our anxious hearts. Notice how many times in this he talks about anxiousness. And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And I tell you, not even Solomon. All his glory was arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field... Which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, fire, into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? You get the phrase? How much little faith? He's not chastising us. He just knows we're prone to anxiousness and thinking it's all up to us. It isn't. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, those outside the Scriptures, those who don't know, they don't have a theistic view of life. They don't know God. They they seek after all these things. And your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. He's not saying you don't need them. Some of what we trust, where our hearts are, what we're anxious about. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will... Be anxious for itself, sufficient for today, for the day, is its own trouble. Anybody need that verse today? I do. Know this first point. All these things, recognize that all of them, they come from God, including money and abilities. He'll take care of us. Okay. Second point. So I want you to show that what that's addressing is this internal thing. Greedy, anxious, whatever it is. That view of life, it's up to me and I don't know where you are with things, is that how you approach life? It's up to me. Are you walking under the care of your Heavenly Father? Number two, what is the purpose of wealth? So I'm going to look at uh, two Proverbs, 10.4 and 11.24 to 26. Um, Subheading here, what's the purpose of wealth? Now let's talk about Proverbs 10.4, which actually talks about the value of work. I won't have you raise your hand. How many people like to work? How many people think it's an evil since since Adam screwed up? Now we got to work and life was better before it. Okay. It says this, lazy people are soon poor, hard workers get rich. So let me say this does not mean the reverse. It doesn't mean all who are rich are hard workers. That's not what it's saying. It doesn't mean all who are poor are lazy. That's not what it's saying. But there is something here being said about the value of work. So let me just say as a, I often have this thing, yet there's on the other side. This is not an excuse to be a workaholic, being addicted to your work so they can't stop. That's not what this is an excuse for. The Lord has clearly designed us to function in rhythms. Consider how inefficient it is that all of us sleep one-third of our life, one-third of our day. Why is that? God's made us to rest in Him. He's made us to have rhythms. He set aside as a day called a Sabbath that we would rest in Him. That's God's design. I won't go here long, but if you go back to, um, I, I guess I do have Genesis 128. If you go back to creation, work is part of how God made it. So part of what He says in the creation is uh, God said, them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the, the fish of the sea. He, he's given a jurisdiction for man. I, I don't have this one. I think it's chapter 215, where he goes back and retells the story in the creation of man. And he says, This is before Eve. God put Adam in the garden. Actually, God plants the garden. He puts Adam in the garden to work it and keep it. It's chapter 2. Sin comes in in chapter 3. Work. God made us with certain abilities certain creativity, there's something about doing something and something happens with it that in the creative process and watching it go on, that's part of, I think, our DNA being made in His image that's actually very good that we see, which you get into a whole other discussion about social issues and that, but I will skip that one. But you get it. We're, we're made that way. Okay? There's a value in work. So here's a different way to think about it. New Testament. Uh, In Colossians chapter 3, near the end of it, this is what's said. And by the way, this particular letter is a letter that was supposed to be read and passed around to the churches. And Paul says there, whatever you do, whatever it is, work heartily. Put your heart in it. As for who? As for who? It's for the Lord, not for men. He's talking about a mentality we have. How many of you have a boss? You're not talking about at home. Okay, some of us are done. (laughs) Okay. Um, We work under somebody, or I should say, or or have had a boss. Probably is another way to say it, too, here. Um, There's an authority, and and you can have a good one or a bad one. So notice it isn't saying whether they're good or bad. But in that thing, you're working heartily for who? For the Lord, not for men. Knowing it's from the Lord, you're going to receive the inheritance as your reward. You are are serving present tense you are serving the lord christ um let me just say this i don't know if i'm not going to do a raise of hands but if you work in the service sector right now that, that industry it is so taxed uh, we have civil servants here okay um who are underappreciated continually um and people's, I don't know, I just feel like we should just be more patient with everybody. Let me, oh, let me say something. Since the pandemic, can I just tell you, you will not get good service. Things are broke. You won't expect it. So be patient with the person. Don't shoot the messenger. You know, that. just go in and love on them. That when you just do that, they so much appreciate it. It's, I, I walk into a place and said, hey, please be patient with us. We only have this many servers or whatever. Why do they have to ask for patience? Because everybody's on edge. So we just, whatever you do, let's think of how we're serving the Lord Christ. Let's be patient with those people. We just just can. But this whole mentality and the value of work, it's Jesus. We've got got to see him. And everything in life, we've got got to start there. Work's actually good. God has given us the abilities and gifts, and we're responsible to use them for his glory. And when we do, friends, there's an aspect of worship in it. Now, let me say this to parents. One of, the, one of the job of a parent, which is a very interesting part of our responsibility, God's given us these kids. I used to say to my kids, hey, sorry, you didn't get to pick your parents. God did, so you can blame him. I'm going to do the best job I can, but you know, we don't always agree on some things. But one of the, So I, I might have certain rules, and we can talk about them, but they're going to be here. But one of our responsibility in terms of guidance is to discern that child what are their unique abilities, unique gifts, their unique quirks, their, their the things they're going to struggle with, but particularly to help. Get, that's my grandchild you're all looking at right there. Okay, let's give you know, so. Leo, you want to come up here and preach because they're looking at you more than more than looking at me. You want to come up and help me? Hey, you did really good on the verse, by the way. Thanks. Yeah. All right. All right. So um, it's really discerning how are they wired, and when you do that, because how do you, you know? Part of being a teenager, it's the ing, you're becoming something you don't even know, you don't even know. And so, you're not the parent won't have all the answers, but it's helped shape, see, coach, talk, find out interest because they're going to be something. It's shaping that. You're the, you're the best discipler they'll ever have, and that's part of who we are as parents, is just to do that. Um, some of you remember the, the old movie, Chariots of Fire which was uh, I, I still can't get my kids to watch it. They can't get the brogue. But it, it's telling the story of Eric Little. Um, I think it's the 1924 Olympics. He's Scottish, so my dad thinks it's great for our Scottish heritage, but grew up, I mean, he was born in China, comes back here later as a, as a young adult uh, for, to go to University of Edinburgh. And um, while he's there, you know, he's, he's an athlete too. But so the kind of the story is told because he's he's one that refused to run in the Olympics on a Sunday. It was a trial, um, I think. But but he does win the gold in the two or four hundred. The one hundred is what he won't run. But there's a phrase in the movie that, that very much describes this. His sister's talking to him and she's saying, "Quit running, stop running. Come and help us in the. It's a, I don't think it's an orphanage, but it's a children's ministry there. Come and do this. This is this is the spiritual stuff, is what she's saying. Quit running." He says, Jenny, Jenny, God has made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. That's the sense. Work and abilities are a good thing. God's given them out there to be used for him. There's a way you're made. One kid is so different than the next kid. What's that thing? And when we do that heartily unto the Lord, there's a part we actually feel his pleasure. Pleasure. It did not come in after sin and the curse. Nope, it was before. We're made that way. There's a value in it. Okay, this is all coming under the question of what's the purpose of wealth? So I just started with there's a value in work. Lazy people are soon poor, but but hard workers get rich. He's just saying this comes from God, these things do. Okay, so if all things come from God, including wealth, and there's a value in work, then what's the purpose of money? See how we're following this? What, what is it? So part of it is doing what I've made for. When I'm doing what I'm made for, it does reflect God. That's part of it. There's a worship in it. There's another dimension that Proverbs 11 talks about that I, that I like. So I summarized it as displaying generosity and grace by remembering others. So now we're, get, we're, we're honing into the gospel a little, a little more here with this one. So Proverbs eleven twenty four to 26 says this, Give freely and become more wealthy. Now you know how that's been misused. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. People curse those who hoard their grain, but they bless the one who sells it in time of need. Bit of counterintuitive wisdom here, isn't it? Give away, and you will become more wealthy. How does that make sense? All right, I need a young volunteer. I need a young volunteer. Any young volunteers? Are you being volunteered, or will you volunteer? It'll be worth your while. Come on up. I, so I know your sister's name. I know your mom and your dad's name, but I don't know your name. You are Meredith. Meredith, that's very good. Thank you for coming up. Are you okay being up here? I won't make you do anything stupid, okay? All right. So you know what this is? It is a wallet. So what's in there? There is money. Here you go. That's yours. Just because you came up here. It's not that much money. Okay. So what this just said is, so is there any money in my wallet right now? Was there money in my wallet a second ago? Okay, hang on. Give freely and you become more wealthy. Did I just give you five? Bu- I don't want you to give that back, by the way. That's yours, Meredith. Did I just give that to you? Yeah. Are you glad you have it? Boy, you hesitated for a while. <laughs> okay. Now, do I have more money in my wallet? How does that make sense? How, how did I give this to you and I became more wealthy? I don't, let's, let's talk about it. Go ahead and sit down for a second. Thank you. That's yours. You don't have to give it back, really. I, you don't have any pockets. Sorry, I looked your way, Mickey. You didn't get up here fast enough. And I wasn't going to pick my grandson, but you know how it goes. She did have help. That's good. Meredith, thank you. Hey, can I tell you something, Meredith? Do you know, I'm actually happier right now than I was about five minutes ago. It was really fun seeing you smile. You're a little bit perplexed. Fun seeing you smile when you got five five bucks. But you know, that five bucks was sitting in my wallet a little bit ago. It was not making me happy. But giving it to you actually did. Now, here's what also happened. I think we'll remember a little bit what that proverb's trying to teach because you walked up here. So let's let's think about this, all right? Give freely and become more wealthy. Is it? This is what we sometimes call God math. How How do you become more wealthy? Does that mean... I mean, Meredith looked in here. That did not mean I gave it to her and now I had six bucks in my pocket. I didn't have six bucks in my pocket. I didn't have ten bucks in my pocket. I did take all my other money out before I gave it to her, though. <laughs> well, I will tell you that, <laughs> just to be truthful. <clears throat> What's it mean more wealthy? So there's just lots of possibilities about that. So you know how that's been misused in the health and wealth gospel, the prosperity gospel but it's talking about something else. Think, think through this. God can bless us in a thousand more ways that we can think about, you know? He just can. What's wealth? I, I think we define things too small too many times. I mean, wealth in one sense, it's a state of being. It's more than a bank account. Can I, can I tell you this? I'm going to say this, and I, and I absolutely mean it. If God would grant that your children, your grandchildren would follow the Lord, you will feel a wealth and a joy that's way greater than your bank account. That's it, right? There's, there's a whole lot of ways to think about it. This is more a matter of being, of attitude, and such. Okay? But go back to that whole, that whole one on greed or anxiousness. That's such a person, life is about them. They've got to do it. That's not how this has for us. So I, I think this, this aspect of generosity and giving is in some ways acting out what we read before in Proverbs twenty-eight, twenty-five. The greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Whatever that means in prosper, where our trust is. Now, New Testament kind of goes on this a little stronger. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, 17-19. It's interesting this is written because there must have been rich people in the church. Okay, So Paul's writing Timothy and he says it this way. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. What? Proud. Meaning I did this. Charge them not to be haughty. Nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Okay, If you're watching your net worth, it goes up and down with the wind in the last year. Okay, right? just Don't set your hope on that. But set your hope on who? God. Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So some of us try to hide. No, no. He's richly provided us with things to enjoy. They are to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Is that it or is there more? Thus storing up for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so they might take hold of that which is truly life. Okay, now follow me. Go ahead and put the next phrase up, Aiden. Experiencing God's grace breeds a heart of generosity, which thinks of others. That's that's what the apostles calling to. I, I don't remember if I I don't think I gave you this one. Um, one of the verses comes out of Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. And he's talking about grace. So here's, this is the gospel part of this whole message that Paul's writing to the church in Corinth about giving a monetary gift to, uh, to help people that are in Jerusalem because they're in a famine. And he's talking about the church in Philippi, which doesn't have much money. He says, man, these guys gave of themselves. They even gave out of their pot- poverty. So he's encouraging the church in Corinth to participate in the gift also. And here's what he says. He says, this is 2 Corinthians 8 9. This is worth memorizing. But you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. True statement here? But you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch how he connects the grace given. He's connecting it to them having generous hearts. But you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. He left heaven, gave it up for us. That though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that you through his poverty, might become rich. Friends, that's a gospel of grace. We didn't deserve any of it, none of it. In fact, Romans tells us that we were actually God's enemies when he did this. And Paul's reminding them of the gospel so that there would be generosity in our, in our hearts. So think of it this way. If all comes from God and if my abilities come from God and if God is the source of all good, then how am I to use what God has given me? That's a fundamental question. Do I think that way? Do I think that way normally? Should I? Let's just help each other with that. One of the things I love about being in this this church, um, I feel like there's a culture of generosity, a culture of giving, uh, the way you guys serve and do things for one another. Um, I think I used this illustration uh, recently. So when we went to Glacier, I took bear spray with me. I tried to buy bear spray. You, you can't get it shipped to you. I, could, I couldn't get it. So someone else had it and they gave it to me. Now that's the thing you want to loan because you don't want anyone to ever use it. You know, so I got it, I spent it, you use it. But this is a church, so I got, I got some from, from Leon. This is a church that like, you loan cars, someone has an extra room, someone's in your house. You loan and give freely. That's the culture we want to be in. So I, I think just good to think through. Is that me? Am I a generous person, who would think of me that way? Or how about this? Can you be generous, without a lot of money? Oh man, I, some of us we've been in other countries and we see we we've been around places where people don't have much, but they'll they'll give everything they got for that meal. They'll they'll kill the the animal out there. They've been saving and, you know for years. And generosity is not about how much money we have. It, it's it's actually fun. It's an expression of the gospel. It's fun to think that way. All right, last one. I'll be quick. Money in the heart. So there's, there's a couple of them here. So I'm going to contrast the drive for money and contentment. So 1118 says, evil people get rich for the moment, but the reward of the godly will last. says, Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Both of those had to do with this. Why is it people want to try to get money quickly? What's behind that? Again, it's this up-to-me mentality as opposed to trusting God. We don't live that way. Now, here's the last two verses. I just want to press in on contentment a little bit. 15.16 says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth or treasure with with turmoil. We get different versions. That's interesting. Um, Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Um, What's that about? Doesn't use the word, but it's about contentment, growing in contentment. Here's the last one from Proverbs 37 and 9. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Remember that one? Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. I think Jesus is drawn on that when he says, what he teaches, give us this day our daily bread. I think those are about contentment as opposed to the I've got to get it now. I've got to get it now. So here's the last verse I'm going to end with. It's from 1 Timothy 6. So notice Timothy in chapter 6 deals with these things a couple of ways. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich, the drive, the desire, That's who falls into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For not money, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Can I just ask you this? Are you content? Are you content? Are you content with what you have? Why or why not? Or how about this one? How can a person become content? I think it's this, friends. I think fundamentally this is rooted in a growing relationship with God. Knowing that you belong to him. Knowing his love. Knowing that nothing can separate you from him. And knowing that God will accomplish Good. That kind of trust brings a peace, a security, and a contentment. Um, so I didn't bring this book with. I, some of you have passed it around. Jeff Baker and I have talked about it. Um, a book that's really helped grow contentment in life is called, uh, I think it's called The Divine Art of Contentment. There's a couple versions of it. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, it's written by Thomas Watson. Um, super short, super thought-provoking that um, will really help you through the Scriptures grow in contentment. Um, I think it was written again in the 1600s. Um, it's worth getting the original version. I know there's a, a more modern version, which I, I can't vouch for how it is, but uh, how, many, let me just say, how many of you have seen or read that book? Because I think it got passed around a little bit. Okay. Um, it's, it's very much worthwhile. Let me end here where we began. Realizing the worship team, you can come on realizing that our Father graciously gives us all that we need so that we may live freely sh- to share his goodness with others. Let's ask God to do that. Lord I know that I need this and I'm pretty certain we all do. I pray that you would this this year, this season, this week, the desire to grow in our walk with you would become an increasing things in our lives. There's so much noise around us, whether it's relationships, whether it's a busy schedule, whether it's financial needs, so many things. Lord, keep us from missing you and all that. Regardless of age, we, we need that. So, Lord, I, I pray that would be so. And, Lord, this thing with money, that the, the realizing it comes from you, And how it gets used for your glory with our abilities and generosity. That might be a fun enterprise for us. A way we enjoy you. Thank you for your word today. Let it find a home in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like more information about Sawyer Highlands Church and Converge Community Church, and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at www.sawyerhighlands.org. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.